Well, however you celebrated Thanksgiving, I hope it was wonderful for you. Um, But it's time to put the pumpkin pie and the turkey behind us, and it's time to focus on Christmas moving forward. And and we're doing that by, by starting a brand new series today called Uncommon Crown. And this series is going to take us all the way through our Christmas Eve candlelight services, where on Christmas Eve we're going to meet together at 2 p.m. and 3.30 p.m., get you out of here in plenty of time to go have Christmas Eve with the family and do Christmas Eve dinner together. But this series is going to, going to take us all the way through Christmas Eve together. And, and with Christmas approaching, right, it's that time of the year where you birth of Jesus. And yet there are plenty of people out there that celebrate Christmas and and it's got nothing to do with Jesus for them. It's just tradition and it's just um, gifts under the the tree. But if you are one of those who, who celebrate Christmas and celebrate it with the birth of Jesus, I think it's fair to say, I don't know about you, but I know how it gets in in my household, right? Jesus can kind of get lost in, in all the, the chaos of, of the Christmas season, can't he? Right? There's, there's shopping for, for presents, there's lights, there's, there's Christmas trees, there's, there's snow, and of course, we all know, there's the Hallmark movies that you guys know that I love so much, right? So uh, he can get lost in all that stuff, right? Uh, he kind of gets blended into the background of the season. He gets kind of blended into the wallpaper of all the Christmas stuff that, that, that's happening. And we lose sight of just how significant Jesus' birth really is. So in this series, we're going to talk about how God revealed his king, Jesus, to the world through this Christmas time. And our big idea for this series, again, if you're new with us, we have a big idea for every series. And our big idea for this series is that Jesus came into the world to establish his kingdom in your heart and in mine. That he came into this world to establish his kingdom in our hearts. And as we move just forward and toward Christmas, each week we're going to look at how that that baby in the manger that we look to at the Christmas time, that everyone loves at Christmas, really truly came to be the king that everyone needs and longs for. However, what we see with Jesus' kingdom is that he wore this uncommon crown because Jesus wasn't your typical king. And so what I want to do today is I want us to turn to a familiar passage of scripture this morning, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead to to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Isaiah's in the Old Old Testament there. As you make your way there, this is what the verse says in, in Isaiah. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now Isaiah, as as he writes here, Isaiah's Isaiah's a prophet. And and a prophet of, of God, here's what kind of would happen. God would speak to the prophet and tell the prophet what to say. The prophet would, would go to God's people and say, hey, here's what God has, has said. And many times, right, the prophets would call God's people to, to remember what God has done for them. The, the, the prophet would, would speak to current circumstances that were going on. Many times, God would tell the prophet, hey, I need you to go address my people and how they're turning away from me or they're wandering from me. 
And then other times, God would use the prophet to say, hey, tell everybody about what's going to happen in the future. Here's what I'm going to do further down the line. We call that prophecy, right? And leading into Isaiah chapter 9 here, Israel's history left much to be addressed. Because up until this point, God had brought Israel out from underneath slavery under Egypt and into the promised land. And he had set, God had set up everything to where Israel, his people, would do things a bit different. That God would actually be their king. That they would be unlike the other nations around them. That the people of God would look to God as their, as their king. They would trust him. They would rely on him. They would follow him. However, right, Israel, fallen people, just like you and I today, chose to worship and follow after golden calves and, and idols instead of a sovereign God. God's people then, then pushed for an earthly king instead of a heavenly one. They wanted to be just like all the other nations around them. It, it was God's people saying, hey, you know what? God, we know you're there, but we want to do life our own way. We want to do life on our terms. That God, we know you're, you're there but we really want to choose to be the king of our own lives. We're convinced that our way is right. And we really think, God, you're, you're great and everything. But if we just ran things, it would go a little bit better. And so God, kind of like a parent sometimes, when your kids push and push and push, and you just kind of say, hey, you want to try that? Go ahead and see how that works out for yourself. God gave them the desires of their heart. And the next few hundred years with Israel was marked by human leaders trying to, to rule and lead on their own strength and in their own wisdom instead of God's. And the result was, was disastrous. Israel's kings led the nation of Israel into political and moral and, and spiritual decay. They pushed God into the background. And the nation of Israel was divided at this time. And Isaiah here was divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And they were both on the verge of war with Assyria. And it was in the midst of all this political and social and, and cultural climate that Isaiah writes this verse and, and, and speaks about how God would bring about his king, the, the king of kings that we just sang about here a few moments ago. And so Israel's got this, this litany of failed monarchs behind them, and they're actually living in the rubble of their own monarchies in these two kingdoms, the northern and the southern one. And Isaiah does here. He looks to the future. He looks to centuries ahead what God would rule on earth through his son, Jesus. And so this is written nearly 600 years before the birth of, of Jesus. And so Isaiah writes here, for to us, a child is born. He says, to us, a son is given. And, and I love what Isaiah does here. He does something really special, just in those words. To us, a child is born, and to us, a son is given. He gives us an earthly perspective on, on, on the, who the king would be, and he gives us a heavenly perspective on who the king would be. And as Isaiah writes this, right, we know now, sitting here, this pertains to the birth of Jesus Christ, the announcement of the Messiah coming, God's anointed one, the chosen king. But the people, when Isaiah wrote this, had no idea who this was going to be. And Isaiah says, hey, one day this, this is king that, that God's going to bring to rule and to reign over his people and his kingdom. He says, it's going to be a child 
that has to be born. Now, this is of great importance to us. God wasn't going to send in his king one day. He wasn't just going to send an angel down from heaven to be the king. He wasn't going to have this king, this Messiah, this Savior be non-human. This king was going to be born a child, which means this king was going to be fully human. If we were to fast forward all the way to the gospel of, of Luke, Luke speaks of this. The angel is talking to Mary, who would be Jesus' mother, and he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In Luke chapter 2, right, the angels let the shepherds know that for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. God was sending Jesus, his future king, born of a virgin, to be fully human. And that means this, that Jesus, Jesus would would experience life as he grew up dependent upon his his mother and, and father. He would have to obey his parents just like all of us did growing up, that, that Jesus was going to go through awkward teenage years. He was going to go through being a young adult. That he would experience this, this King Jesus was going to experience hunger and fatigue and joy and laughter. He was going to experience sadness. He was going to experience the loss of, of loved ones and rejection and abuse and, and struggle. Jesus was going to experience all of life, every aspect of life. Every emotion and every circumstance of life, he experienced it all fully human, just like you and I do. Why? Why would that have to be the case? When God could have sent his king in any way that he wanted to, why a child? Why through childbirth? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Like God could have just sent Jesus down in all of his glory as fully grown Jesus, right? That's how he created, God created Adam fully grown. He could have just sent Jesus the same way. But why to us a child is born? It's so that we can see this, that Jesus, our king, can fully identify with us. That Jesus, our king, can fully identify with us. The coming king in Jesus, the savior of the world, the Messiah, was not going to be some far off leader sitting on a throne in a hill that didn't understand his people. He would be one who lived and walked and and experienced the life in the trenches with us. This is why in, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews can write, for we do not have a high priest speaking of Jesus who is unable to to sympathize with our weaknesses or to sympathize with with what we go through in life. But it says, he is one who in every respect, in every way, has been tempted and gone through what you and I have gone through. But the writer in Hebrews lets us know he's done so without sin. He's done so perfectly. Now we live in this culture right today where we we elect and we vote in leaders for us. And what do those leaders try, try to do? They, they do ads and they go on TV all the time trying to tell us, hey, we're just like you. We get you. We understand you. And the reality is many of them don't identify with us at all. Many of them don't, don't know us at all. Many of them have not walked a mile in our shoes. But it's not so with King Jesus. He can relate to us. 
He can sympathize with us. He has walked a mile in your shoes and in mine, and he did so perfectly. And here's what that means. This is why I think this is so beautiful. Jesus coming as a child, fully human. It means that you and I, that we can, we can run to him and we can trust him and we can lean on him that in the valleys of life and in the grief of life, in the pain of, of life, in the struggle of life, that, that we have a king who understands. We have a king who, who understands us. And, and, and I think that's important right now during this Christmas season. Because there's, there's much to celebrate during the Christmas season. However, for many of us, many of us struggle through the holidays. The holidays bring about, for some of us, memories and the hurt of, of loved ones lost. I look back over my life and almost everyone that has passed away in, in our family has passed away somewhere between Thanksgiving and New Year's. So we get together as a family many times and you look around and you remember who's gone. And that's hard sometimes. And some of us are, are dealing with that right now. So it makes this Christmas season really hard. Some of us and some people are, are at the end of their rope with just life in general right now. Some of us come to the holiday season and we're looking around and we're, you're a parent maybe and, and you're longing for your son or daughter who's walked away from your family to come back home. Or they've walked away from Jesus and, and you want them to come back home and the holidays just bring that, that hurt and that reality uh, uh, kind of in a, a fresh way. That, that some of us will get together for, for dinners and presents and we're getting together with, with family where there's division in the family. That we put a smile on and we, we, we fake it, right? But yet there's strife and, and there's, there's hardship within our families. Some of us are in the lowest of valleys during this Christmas season. I want to let you know if that's you today. You have a king who understands. You have a king who, who relates to you. You have a king in Jesus who has been through it. And it's because he took on this human flesh that he can understand what you're going through. That you can actually turn to him. That he's there for you today. At the end of, of verse 6, we get these names of Jesus. We get wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And I was just reminded last night I was going, going to bed that Jesus experienced all of life like, like we have. He can be your wonderful counselor. He can be my wonderful counselor. He can say, I went through that. I know, and I've done so perfectly. Let me help you through it. Let me come alongside of you. You can turn to him today. Let him be your perfect king who walks with you through it all. And so Isaiah gives us this amazing earthly perspective. A child was to be born, Jesus so he could identify with us and lead us through all that we face. From a heavenly perspective, Isaiah says to us, to us a son is given. This child would be a man, he would be fully human, but he would be more than a man. He would also be the eternal son of God. He would be the, the second person in the Godhead. Two chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter seven, it's written, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. In the New Testament, when Matthew writes about the genealogy of Jesus and the birth of Jesus, Matthew goes back to this very verse 
right after he accounts Jesus being born. And Matthew writes, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a a, a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What we see here from this heavenly perspective is Jesus is our king. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. You see, God knew that we needed a king who could identify with us, but he also knew we needed a savior. And that savior needed to be a perfect, infinite being to offer a perfect, infinite atonement for your sin and mine. Right? This is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. Right, John 3.16 and, and, and 17 there. It's John 1.14 that the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. The glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Right, it, it's Philippians 2 verses 6 through 11 lived out. Like I, I looked at Philippians 2 and maybe for the first time I was like, what beautiful Christmas verses in Philippians 2 that we, we never really look at, that Jesus, who was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him. He would be the king one day. That every every name of Jesus is above every other name on this earth. And that that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on heaven and on earth and and under the earth. And every tongue confess that, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is king for the glory of God the Father. From a heavenly perspective, God the Father sent his son. And he did this because he loves you and he loves me, that he, that he loved the world, that he wants those who would choose Christ to, to have this ultimate gift, the gift of eternal life for those who turn to Jesus and put their faith and trust in him. You see, if Jesus were not fully man, he could not stand in the place of sinful man and be a substitute for the punishment that man deserves. And if Jesus were not fully God, his sacrifice would be insufficient That if he were not fully God and fully man, that means today we would stand here and sit here lost in in our sin. And so here we are in December, the the, the Christmas season, and and we we love baby Jesus in the manger, right? We love baby Jesus in the manger. We set our nativity sets up in our homes and in in our front yards, and we sing Christmas songs, right? It's this time of year where, like, you can turn on radio stations. You're like, oh, my gosh, they're singing about Jesus, and they would never mention Jesus any other time of the year. But we must wrap our, our minds around this year, right? This idea that this beautiful little baby born in a manger, he was sent from heaven, that that baby was born with a purpose, He was God's only son, the Messiah, the Savior, that he was the king. One pastor put it like this, Jesus was was deity in diapers. Max Licato said it this way, speaking of Jesus, he said, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in the human womb, the omnipotent, which means the all-powerful God, in one instant made himself breakable. Jesus was fully God, 
and fully man. Jesus was not just a a, a good man. He was the God man. That God came to this earth and walked among among us in, in Jesus. That Jesus became one of us without ceasing to be himself and that he became human without ceasing to be God all at the same time. It blows my mind. It's hard to wrap our minds around that. But Isaiah here in just this one verse gives us this amazing earthly and heavenly perspective. For us, this was, this was the entrance of Jesus to planet earth. But for God the Father, it was the departure of his son from heaven. Isaiah goes on to say in verse 6 that this child, this son, one day the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, here's what I love about Isaiah chapter, or verse 6 here in chapter 9. It's one of these rare verses in scripture, right? Isaiah speaks these words, and as Isaiah speaks these words and, and they're recorded, this promise and this prophecy was unfulfilled in Isaiah's time. Yet, this is one of these cool verses in scripture where you and I, we're living smack dab in the middle of this verse. We have the privilege of looking back and going, you know what? We know the child was born. We know the son was given. But we're also living, waiting, just like Isaiah did, for Jesus to take the government upon his shoulders. We're still, you and I, just like Isaiah was, we're waiting for the promise and the fulfillment of that prophecy. Isaiah's looking to that time when Jesus returns to this earth to reign over a literal earthly geopolitical kingdom that encompasses all the governments of the world. It will be the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus as King of Kings and and Lord of Lords. This is why when Jesus walked on this earth the first time, he could, he could write like he, and say like he did in Matthew 28, hey, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. It's why Jesus could say all things have been handed over to me by the Father. That the Father loves the Son and has given him all things, like it says in John 3, 35. That the government would be on Jesus' shoulders, that he would be the King of kings, and he would be the Lord of lords. But check this out. Here's what I don't want us to miss today as we're talking about this, and we're gonna put it on the screen here. Before Jesus can take the government upon his shoulders, he had to take the cross upon his shoulder for you and for me. That before Jesus could could wear the crown of glory as king of kings, Jesus had to wear the shameful crown of thorns and give his life a sacrifice for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. And here we are living in the middle of of this verse in in Isaiah chapter 9, anticipating, hopefully, and excited for the day when Jesus comes again. The day when when Jesus, I mean, I look around and I'm like, Jesus, come quickly. I can't wait for you to to rule and reign with perfect love and and perfect grace and perfect truth. We, We need that. We need perfect mercy and we need perfect justice, right? That day, that day brings to fruition the fulfillment of God's kingdom on earth where where Jesus reigns as king. But there's an important question in here that we need to ask this Christmas season, and it's this. What happens between now and then for you and I? What happens between now and then for, for you and I? Until that time, we're reminded that, that Jesus' kingdom and his reign are in visible form. And you say, well, how could you say that? Well, Jesus in Luke chapter 17, 
In verse 20, he says this. He says, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is. Or there, there it is. He says, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Here's what Jesus was saying. He was saying his kingdom and his reign is already here, but not yet all at the same time. That his kingdom and his reign is already here and not yet at the same time. You say, well, what do you mean by that? The not yet part is what Isaiah wrote about and what we're waiting for, for the government to be upon his shoulders. The already here part is where it gets really personal for you and I today. It's where we come back to our big idea for this series. The already here part is that Jesus came into the world to establish his kingdom in our hearts, in your life, in my life. That until Jesus' return, his kingdom is already here. And I'm going to put three things up. This is kind of our application for, for today, right? That it's already here because Jesus' rule as king is over those who trust in him and obey him as Lord right here and right now. That his kingdom is an invisible kingdom that resides in those who follow Jesus right here and right now. That the government of our lives is to be on Jesus' shoulders right here and right now. That's the already part. That Jesus' kingdom and rule and reign is to be in those who follow him. And I want to leave these guys, leave these up on the screen here for a bit as we, we close out. I want us to just continue to take in these, these kind of three points. Because here's the deal. As we enter Christmas season, which celebrates the, the birth of Jesus, our, our king, I want to challenge us as, as we leave today. And I want to challenge us each week as we gather together with a few things. I want to challenge myself with the same. So you can come find me after service and be like, hey, how you doing on those things, right? You can keep me uh, accountable together. I want us to remember, do you remember who Isaiah wrote to where we started? Isaiah wrote to God's people. I Isaiah did not write to non-Christians. Isaiah wasn't speaking to atheists or agnostics. He wasn't speaking to another religion. Isaiah was speaking to God's people. People who said, hey, I'm good with God, but then they said, you know what? I'm still gonna do it on my own. I'm still gonna do it my way. It was people who said, hey, we acknowledge God. We've even seen God work in our, our lives, but you know what? We're gonna choose to be our own king of our own lives. I'm, I'm convinced, God, that if we're, gonna do, we're gonna do it our way, that our way is the right way. That, hey, the world would be a better place if we just did it my way, right? Listen, Isaiah was speaking to people who had just enough of God but then blended him into the background of their lives. Here's the challenge for all of us today, myself included. Does that describe any of us today? Does that describe your life or, or my life? Is that a picture of how we typically move through Christmas? Maybe with the best intentions, but then Jesus gets blended into the background of everything else. Is that what happens the rest of the year? We have these intentions to put Jesus at the forefront, but then we still kind of do it our own way. Do we try to become the little kings of our own lives instead of let Jesus have that place? So I want to ask today, could God be speaking to you and I today through Isaiah? Could he be trying to teach us something today about where we're at? 
And, and I'll just share a personal story with you to let you know how much God has to do a work in, in, in my life with this. Um, and I'll try not to get emotional with this, but y'all know me well enough now, I'll probably get emotional. So that's why I bought my handy-dandy handkerchief right here. All right? When we launched this campus back in March, so if you're new, I, we just started in March. This is brand new. I've had many years of ministry experience but I have never been a teaching pastor before. I have never started a, a, a church plant before. So it makes you feel great. You're in good hands, right? You're, you can, you're like, who's this guy up front, okay? But I will say this. My, my father growing up instilled in me a very hard and good worth ethic. And my wife's down here, and she will tell you um, I have this amazing talent and gift to overwork time and time again. And as we launched this campus back in March, um, I was doing just that. I was taking everything upon my shoulders. I was trying to do everything on my own. I was trying to run things as the ruler and as the king and make it look like I had it all together and I knew what I was doing. And one morning, I came into to the office here and, and I sat down. And as I sat down at my desk, everything started spinning. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've never passed out before in my life, but I think I'm going to pass out. And I laid down flat on the floor in the office, and I was staring up at the ceiling. There was one other guy here that day, and I called out to him. I was like, hey, can you, can you come in here, right? Talk about like the, you lose your man card in that moment, right? Like, oh, goodness gracious. He walks in, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, dude, I think I'm going to pass out. And he was like, do you want me to call Kelly? And I'm like, yeah, call Kelly. Kelly comes, gets here. I can't move. I can't open my eyes. They tried to lift me up off the ground. I was like a ton of bricks. Kelly's like, we're calling the squad. They call the squad. And, and long story short, right, I find myself in the back of an ambulance going to the hospital that day. And I'm thinking, great, like a couple months on the job, the new pastor in Plain City, everybody's going to know, hey, they carted that guy off in the back of an ambulance. This is great. We should go to that church, you know? How awesome is that? Well, here's the deal. At the end of the day, I had a massive panic attack. And it wiped me out. Physically wiped me out. And as I got done, I started asking God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me here? And, and here's, here's at least where he brought me to. <clears throat> it was this. It was as if he said loud and clear, you cannot do this on your own. You are not in charge. You cannot stand in front of these people and say, Jesus will build his church, but then act like Corey will build the church. You cannot do it. And because I'm so darn thick-headed, he literally had to put me flat on my back and physically incapacitate me that day to teach me and remind me that he is in charge, that he is king, that his way is best, that he knows what's best, that him running things is far and beyond and above me running things and anything I could do on my best day. That it's got to be all about him. 
that I stand here today confessing to you that I so often try to run my life like I am the king over my own life and you think I would have learned by now. But I'm still a work in progress. And I want to let you know if that's you today, it's okay that you're a work in progress too. That God is faithful to complete and finish what he started in you and what he started in me. Listen, it's why I need reminded all the time. It's why I need reminded all the time that King Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That to gain your life is to lose it. That he knows, he knows that you and I, that we need to surrender the throne of our heart and the throne of our lives to him every day. That's why he calls us to, to daily die to ourselves so that Jesus each day can sit on the throne of, the, of our heart and of our life. I'm learning. I'm learning just how important it is Right, like I get my position up here as the teaching pastor, but I want to let you know if you think this church rises and falls on me, you've got your faith and hope in the wrong guy. It's on Jesus. And outside of that, it's on all of us that we are the body of Christ doing this together, that we're going to care for each other and we're going to minister to each other and we're going to love one another together. That's what we're supposed to do as Christ followers. And I'm learning how to ask the Lord each and every day, Jesus, please rule and reign in my heart and in my life. I'm learning how to ask Jesus, I want to trust you and I want to obey you every single day. I'm learning how to ask and pray every day, Lord, would, would your kingdom reside in my life? And I'm learning how to ask every day, would the government of, of my life be on your shoulders, Jesus. I might be thinking, well, well, what does this look like? Well, I came across this individual named Gail Irwin who once wrote this, and I wanted to share just a few pieces with you today. He says, Gail Irwin writes this, I have no idea who this guy is, but I love what he wrote. He says, his government shows it's working in wonderful ways. Whenever I see someone who miraculously leaves a life of drugs or alcohol and is restored to their family and work, I can see that they are now governed by Jesus the King. Whenever I see loving Christians gently caring for orphans or those rejected by a family or, or those in need around them, I know I'm watching people governed by the King. Whenever I see people eagerly learning the Bible and joyously praising, I know who their governor is. Whenever I see people give up lucrative careers simply to go and share the good news of Jesus, I know that they are governed by the king. When I see people leave family to live and teach in distant lands because they love people who have not heard the gospel, I know they are governed by the king. And I would, I would add to that just caring for those around us. It doesn't have to be something as, as big and as amazing of, of leaving all this stuff behind. It might just be being a Christian to those around us, to loving God and loving others in the most simple of ways shows that we are governed by the king. Irwin goes on to write, so indeed the government is alive and working, often silently and mostly unseen. We can be and are by choice governed by the king. Hope and joy and peace and rest cover his followers. Justice, mercy, and grace amazingly coexist. 
He says, I like this kingdom. This kingdom's borders are open. Come on in. Jesus isn't just some baby in a manger this Christmas season. He is the king. He is the one who is in charge of it all. He is God. Come to us. And if Jesus claimed to be the king, not a king, but the king, then you and I have to answer the question, is he my king? And if we call him my king, what are the implications for his reign in my life? Maybe today, as we wrap up, it's time for some of us to step down from our thrones. Maybe today it's time for some of us to relinquish our own personal monarchies. Maybe today for some of us it's time to hand over the keys to the kingdom to Jesus. And as we do that, and as we ask him to help us do that, I also want to remind us that we have an amazing opportunity this Christmas season. Because people, you know this, people are more receptive to Jesus right now than any other time of the year. So as you're out buying presents, looking for your Christmas tree, standing in long lines, just taking the kids to the sledding hill at some point, right? Interacting with neighbors and strangers. I want to remind us that a door is open unlike any other time of the year. That with our lives and with our words when necessary to tell them about Jesus. To tell them that he's more than just some baby in a manger or a line in a Christmas song or an add-on to Christmas. That our lives and our words this Christmas season would show that he is your personal, wonderful counselor, that he is your mighty God, that he is your everlasting father, and that he is your prince of peace, that he's your Lord, that he's your savior, that he really does sit on the throne of your heart and your life, and that he is your king. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for, in your perfect wisdom and knowledge, you sent Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as a child to be born, to grow up through life so he could fully identify with us and understand us. How amazing is that? And so for some of us today, may we, may we turn to Jesus and look to Jesus maybe in a new way, knowing that he gets us knowing that he understands, knowing that he walked a mile in our shoes. And at the same time, you sent, you sent your one and only son. You, you sent Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us to be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. What an amazing picture in Isaiah we get this morning of Jesus, fully man and, and fully God. And that's really hard for us to understand. But Lord, today we say thank you. We say thank you for doing that. And so today, God, I pray for, for us today that we would truly allow Jesus to sit on the throne of our heart and to sit on the throne of our lives. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, you know what? I've been my own king. I've been my own, my own queen I've been trying to do life all on my own. And you know what? It's not working. I see today for the first time that 
think I, I, think, I think I need to let Jesus have that role instead of me. And so if you've never put your faith and trust in, in Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity today. Right where you're seated right now, if you want Jesus to be the king of your life, all you got to do is tell him. All you got to do is ask him. You just got to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of, of my sin. I believe, I believe in you and I choose you. I choose to follow you. I choose to choose you to be the king of my heart, the king of my life. I'm, I'm surrendering today to allow you to be the one in charge from here on out. And if you do that, he is faithful and true to come into your life. He'll make you a new creation. He'll give you a new heart and he will sit on the throne of your life. God, today as we wrap up, as we march closer and closer to Christmas morning, Lord, help us to not lose Jesus in the background of everything. Help us to not let Jesus just blend in with the wallpaper of Christmas this year. Would he be at the forefront of our hearts, our minds, our lives, our homes, our conversations, all of it. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We ask all this in your precious name.